Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode five of Wilbur Talks FPL, where we look at the week's action from the Premier League and talking FPL at the same time. So what is there not to like? I appreciate everyone tuning into the previous podcast, and I also appreciate Charlie and Sam for joining me again. Now, I think we're going to dive just straight into it, guys, not going to lie. How has your game week been so far? I have to put that into context if you're not listening to the podcast live because we're recording on Monday night. So there's just the Everton against Burnley fixture that's currently on at the minute. Me and Charlie are slightly down in the dumps because Cavett-Lewin is not playing. So we'll see how that one goes. We've got a bit of a bet going on with the Mari Gray, which we might give updates on throughout the podcast. But we'll start with you, Sam. How has your week gone in general so far? Are you happy with how it's going or is there a few players that you're slightly disappointed in? Yeah, very good uh, game week so far. Sixty-three points. Um, with well, that's that's confirmed. It's going to finish on on sixty-three points um, against an average of fifty-two. So again, above average, which is which is always good. Um, I, I'd say it's been it's been a good game week. Um, a lot of the players that scored a lot of points were not really the assets that I thought were going to score a lot of points, and the assets that I thought were going to score a lot of points either blanked or got sent off. So. Um, yeah, it's an interesting, uh, interesting game week for sure. But no, pleased with it so far. I'm trying to get your team up on the screen for the guys, but that clearly didn't work. But yeah, I think. Yeah, just... so so essentially the back my my back three goalkeeper, um, all all had really good performances. Sanchez returning six, Trent Alexander Arnold with a massive haul of twelve, Shaw with five, Liveramento with six. Um, Salah in midfield getting up eight. Uh, Greenwood with five. Fernandez with mm. sixteen. He was my captain for the week. Uh, ben Rama in there with three as well. Uh, and then the, the front three with just three <laughs> points between them after uh, Antonio got sent off. So um, yeah, overall uh, a good contribution from everywhere across the pitch, other than yeah. other than the boys up top. So trying to sort that out this week. Yeah, they actually got two, didn't they? With Antonio minus one as well. So. No, oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah that's true. <laughs> I was looking at that. I'm like, it's your strikers letting you down there, which is just. Yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. believe Antonio and a, as well. A good, a good week in general. Yeah, you can't really complain about that. And yeah, I'm looking at that back four you've got there. That's just exactly what you want, especially from like Livermento. You can't ask more than that six from that kind of type of asset. Lovely stuff. I think still leading the way at the minute. It could at the minute, yeah. long way to go. <laughs> long way to go. It's the source three have been in the same order so far the whole way through it. I think I can see at the minute Charlie's ten points behind you and he's got Dinier to play tonight, so you never know a clean sheet and an attacking return. Gonna need a Chris Wood towering header at the end of the game <laughs> to cancel out the Damari Gray opener. Well, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> ruined Damari Gray's clean sheet, so you don't get up to three points. But... <laughs> That'll be good to see. Yeah, but he's still leading the way, like you said, 63 points this week. So that's linked it quite well to Charlie, who is currently sat on 58 points. How have you seen your week so far, Charlie? Yes, similar, really. Um, pretty good contributions across most of the pitch, other than up top, um, again. Um, yeah, but pretty happy with the back line. Trent, Shaw and Cody all got some sort of return. And yeah, as you say, I've got Dinya still playing tonight. Um, as a wing-back as well, so I'm hoping he gets some sort of attacking return regardless of what they do defensively because they can be a bit suspect. But yeah, a little bit disappointed about the Calvert-Lewin news. He was my trans- the second of my transfers this week, so yeah, it's a little bit annoying because 
I really had kind of eyed up this Burnley fixture as the perfect one for him to get some returns in. But um, yeah, you know, it's it's yeah, these things happen across the season. So not not too worried about it. I've only got uh, two points coming off the bench from Rafinha, um, which isn't great. But yeah, there'll, there'll be better times throughout the season. I'm, I'm still uh, it, because it feels like such a late call and also he was pitched in training I don't think Calvert-Lewin will have any issues going forward I think he still will be in the next game so yeah nothing to worry about there for me might just ruin that I don't know if you've seen Benitez's statement at no, the start of the game he where he said he's most likely out for two or three weeks it could be longer than that oh don't tell me <laughs> so that's what's kind of tipped me over the edge of my transfers as well just yeah I had a chat with Rafa earlier today as well yeah. <laughs> just, uh, actually it was just before I selected Jimenez uh, on the team but he said DCL was unlikely to play so so well, it's all about te- who you know. It's all about who you know, boys. So technically, my my two points off the bench scores the same as Jimenez anyway. So it's not. Well, Jimenez actually difference. got one point. So he actually. Oh, did he? That's what I'm going to outscore him. That's right. Yeah, okay, one more than Calvert Lewin. <laughs> yeah, striking options not doing particularly well. So, so were you quite happy with the week, Charlie? Or just well, apart from the strikers, not too bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it was only last week where all these kind of players like Antonio Calvert Lewin. Etc. Were doing did did well, and f- the price that they're at, you can't expect them to return every single week. So, um, yeah, as long as you're getting a good, decent score from your players overall, then then I don't think um, there's anything to worry about. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, we, none of us could pick a striker this week. We have got similar strike forces, but I think the story of mine is pretty similar. I'm on the same points as Charlie, minus the Dinier points that he's going to get today. I think you're both getting me with my silly goalkeeper choice because you, you keep getting the sneaky clean sheets from Sanchez and Batman can't keep a clean sheet to save his life. But that's a different topic. It's very similar to you guys. My defence was very solid with Semedo and Trent and Shaw. Very similar midfielders. I think we've all got kind of thing. And then I've got a grand total of one point between my three strikers with Tony with two, Antonio minus one, and then DCL. He's going to be subbed out for Bertrand, who gets his first two points of the season. So at least he's actually decided to get fit after his COVID. So get a nice, it'll be around 60 points we'll be on. I always think 60 points is, that's what I personally aim for. I think 60 means you've had a decent week and it always tends to be above average, except for perhaps game week one, which was very far above average. We kind of touched on it just before we went live on the podcast as well. I wanted to mention the Wolves assets that we've all got one of. So I've got Semedo, Charlie's got Adama, and Sam has got Jimenez. And, well, technically Semedo's outscoring them all with his clean sheet. But how I know we all transferred in the Wolves asset last week as well. How have you seen your Wolves assets so far? I'll start with you, Charlie. Adama, expected him to still deliver after blanking in that game? <laughs> um. Well, in, in fairness, I've also got Cody as well. So I, I was yeah. banking on some of the defensive points and, and that was like a pre, pre-move pre where I... Yeah, I did booked, that the week before, didn't you? Yeah, I did it the week before whilst just putting him on the bench for that week because I, I obviously I wanted to target this good run that they've got. Um, and similar to what I said before, you know, Adama's six million. I'm not expecting him to, to return every week anyway. Um, if he gets, you know, maybe returns in half of this run of games, then then I'm fine with that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not too disappointed. He always looks lively whenever he's on the pitch anyway. Um, 
which could be the bit of the downfall. But yeah, at six million, I'm I'm happy if he can yeah get some kind of attacking return in three out of six. Yeah, it's what, there's so many midfielders around that price, isn't it? It's just trying to get the right one at the right time that can sometimes let you down. But I'd argue there wasn't many midfielders except for like Salah and Bruno that really hold. I think Greenwood was pretty lucky to get his assist on the rebound. So outside of that, there wasn't a lot in midfield from some of the more popular options. You might see Damari Gray do something in the next hour or so, but wasn't like we I think when I, we were talking about wildcards last week I kind of talked up how good the midfielders were around like the seven million mark but then the first week not many of them have delivered so Sam Jimenez kind of gutted he didn't haul at all I thought Wolves are pretty good in that fixture so I think it looks quite positive for all of us going forward with Wolves though yeah, a little bit disappointed, but like as you say, when these uh, when you pick up these players around that kind of price point, they're not going to return every week. Um, so yeah, I still expect him to get a couple of goals, um, and even if he gets two or three goals over this run of fixtures coming in before um, before the wild card, which is likely to be sort of game week eight, maybe even push to game week nine now, um, then uh, yeah, then it'll be a decent return. Um, not too disappointed, but yeah, like you say, Wolves played well. I thought Wolves played well against Man United, actually. I thought they were a little bit unlucky not to get anything out of that game. Um, so, yeah, I think overall uh, overall pleased with how they looked. Could just do us some more points uh, next time out. Yeah, I think Wolves have looked very good in general, to be fair, because out of the first three games, they lost every fixture 1-0, which I thought was very unlucky. I think they lost one to Tottenham. I can't remember who the other 1-0 was with, but... I think they were all over Tottenham as well. Just Tottenham scored a penalty against them. But yeah, I have to mention Semedo as well. Threw on goal twice, put it wide. Well, one was saved and then put one wide. I was like, <laughs> if only he had the finishing ability. It was literally like a Damatore going through one-on-one. Just <laughs> They've got the same kind of finishing ability, unfortunately. But we'll, we'll see who packs one first. You never know. If he's going to play that right wing back, I've got a decent chance. But we'll see. So I'm going to move on to talk about the fixtures a bit. So I think we need to, for a first for this podcast, we're going to talk about an Arsenal win. So I think that puts it straight over to Charlie. What did you think of you getting your first points on the board against Norwich? Yeah, unfortunately, I can't really dine out on this too much because of the, of the sort of low scoreline. Um, <laughs> a 1-0 win, it's going to be one of those where it's it's just, yeah, you're, you're happy to finally get out of the way and... You know, it's, it's one of those you don't ever, you're not ever going to go back and think about the score lines. It's just the fact that you won it. Mm. Um, it's good to start seeing a little bit more things clicking with players coming back. I thought Party was really good in the middle, really kind of missed that as well as he's. I said it as soon as he came in, the first couple of games that I saw him when he signed, he already was the best passing midfielder in the team as well as the best tackler in the team. Um, so he's a huge step up in quality for for the middle of our park, and and he um, provided a, a great ball in the build up to the to the goal, which was um, yeah, it showed exactly what we're kind of missing in that in that area. Um, but overall, yeah, it's a little bit frustrating based on that we had um, thirty shots, I think it was, which is an obscene number of shots to only end up with one goal. Um, so from that point of view, it's a little bit disappointing, and 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 you kind of need a bit more. Um, clinicalness if that's a word um in in the front positions i feel like because of the kind of players we've got in those positions like pepe like sakab smith throw none of them are that 
clinical. Obviously, he got a Bamiyang and he ended up with a goal. And even he sometimes isn't always clinical. So I think we're kind of missing that that slight um, slight edge up up top. But yeah, please please just to get get the win. Norwich did actually play quite well. I thought they defended a lot better than I've seen them in the previous weeks. Um, so yeah, I'm just just happy to get the win. Really, finally get some points on the board. Yeah, relegation six point of that one wasn't it? You needed the points. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm very kind of wary. It's against Norwich. I'm excited to see how you can play against other teams. Obviously, Norwich would probably expect. I think we all predicted Norwich to be bottom in our kind of prediction. So you'd expect you to beat them. You should probably add a few more goals. I think that the actual goal, Pepe won't get a worse assist in his <laughs> lifetime. But, well, yeah, that, that was a really fortunate goal for anyone yeah. that saw it because it was Abamyang was technically offside in the mm. first instance, but the ball ricocheted back off Pepe and Abamyang was then onside at that point. So, yeah, of the 30 <laughs> shots we had, it was probably the luckiest one that ended up as the goal. But I think going forward, it's it's a good sort of start, for, particularly for our defence. I think if we mm. move it on to FPL a little bit, I don't think really any of the attacking options I'm I'm going to go with. But the likes of Ben White or Tierney might come into my thinking because I think we're starting to look a lot better. We've had some good underlying statistics over the last season or so, despite the actual results. Um, but particularly with this sort of back line now, we've got it was a back four of uh, Tierney, Gabriel White, and Tommy Asu, the new right back, and they looked pretty solid. And having party in front as well obviously makes a big difference. And I think going forward, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that against the bigger teams, but certainly in this kind of stretch that we're in now, where it's teams that we should be beating, I do expect us now to start picking up a few more clean sheets than maybe last season we didn't because of individual errors. Whereas I think now we're starting to get to a, to players that have that little bit of uh, a step up in quality and, and won't kind of cause those errors that we maybe saw with the likes of David Luiz in the back. Yeah, I think that I kind of know it's Gabriel seem to make you a lot more solid. I think Ben White needed that decent support next to him to bring the best out of him as well. And that, that right back, I'm still, you need to see a bit more of him, don't you? It's obviously his first game. But I think you seem to be getting any players back and can see how you go going forward. I think the next two or three games will be a decent indicator of how you're going to go for the rest of the season. Because I was just checking it out, you've got Burnley, Spurs, which obviously a huge game, and then Brighton. So Burnley and Brighton it away and then Tottenham at home so those next three are kind of could gauge where we could see going forward but at least got a win on the board <laughs> got to start somewhere <laughs> you know, I was keeping an eye out on Tierney as well as you mentioned because I saw, saw he got a bonus point as well even though he didn't get any like, attack in return so it seems to be getting quite involved it's one to look out for but yeah for the first time congratulations on your win <laughs> <laughs> thanks <laughs> So we'll move on to Sam, who's more used to winning so far this season, and maybe in general over the last few years compared to us two. What did you make of Liverpool's performance yesterday, Sam? Uh, I think, actually, they were contenders for performance of the weekend. I thought that absolutely outstanding against Leeds. Typical, difficult place to go. Um, really hostile atmosphere at, uh, at Ellen Road. Horrendous injury for uh, Harvey Elliott as well um, in, in the mix of it. And just generally, the amount of chances they played, they carved Leeds up for, to a man um, almost for 90 minutes. I mean, Bamford was Leeds' only real threat at any point during the entire game. 
And uh, yeah, I, I thought we were excellent yesterday. Really, really pleased with the way we played. Um, and yeah, just a, a really solid 3-0 win away from home. Take those every day of the week. And uh, move joint top of the table. Good weekend. On to the next one. Complain about that really, can you? I think there was only probably I think it was a Rodrigo chance earlier on where Leeds yeah. looked a bit lively, but apart from that, there wasn't much threat for, from them really. I think having Van Dyke back is absolutely massive. Mm. Um, it's just making everyone at the back look so much so much uh, more solid. Matip looks like you know one of the best <laughs> centre backs in the league now that uh, Van Dyke's back next to him. Trent Alexander-Arnold looks in imperious form this season. He looks even more of an attacking threat going forward than uh, than he's potentially ever been. Um, Robertson, again, looked looked pretty solid. The midfield looked well-balanced until Elliot went off, and uh, the, the front three all looked sharp, and Mane could have had five. It was, uh, it was, an, it was just a, a brilliant performance from uh, from everyone in red on uh, on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I was going to touch on Mane. Like, he could have got Salah and Jota so many more points if he could just have put one of them chances away or just squared it at the right moment. It was just, especially because I captain Salah this week. I think there was one in that last five minutes where he could have easily squared, but he was just so desperate to score, he didn't square it. I was like shouting at him at that point. But yeah, I think he had about, he had more shots than Lee's, didn't he, on his own? I think he had about 10 shots or maybe eight, which is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, 10. Yeah, ten ten shots. Two of them were on target, which is quite funny. Which I think probably also um, contributed to the fact that it's, it's very rare when a team scores as many like three or four goals for the xG to actually be higher than what they scored. Mm. But the xG was something like four, like over four, um, which I think is probably in large part down to Mane. <laughs> yeah, not take anything away from Liverpool, but I think Leeds just need to change something in how they're set up especially against the big teams I just feel like they can go all out attack and they're kind of neglecting the defensive side I know they've had a few injuries in defence but especially in that those I think there's in the mindset there's attack 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 which is going to work against maybe the bottom half sides but when you come up against like a United or a Liverpool it clearly doesn't work for them because even United blew them away when we played them so I think they also kind of did it a few times last season when they played at home, because I remember, I think, a 1-1 with City, a 0-0 with United. So he can do it, but he just seems reluctant to do it so far this season. I don't think Leeds, I think Leeds have got one point so far, haven't they? Not particularly the start they wanted, which is a bit surprising when they've actually got the fans back. But that's one to keep an eye out for. And I uh, got to touch on someone's return to the Premier League, which... I'm sure you guys can comment on as well. I just think it was disappointing that the Man United game was on at three o'clock, probably the most illegally streamed game in history of the Premier League, but that's a different matter. Um, it's just amazing to have Ronaldo back. You just get that feel-good feel, feel good factor you can see around United in general. It's just, I think I talked on it about it last week, just even if it's not Ronaldo having the impact, he's just bringing up the rest of the team to kind of close it to his level. I don't think we was particularly great overall as a team, but just the movement for Ronaldo, the first goal, his finish on the second goal, just dragging the team on, really. And you could tell by the crowd reaction and everyone in general were just loving it. I just loved the fans there over an hour after the game, just singing for him and he was doing his interview as well, which is just great to see. And it's just bringing that kind of more positive vibe around the club, which... 
I think there's always been a bit of doubt around like Solskjaer and just if they've got the team to be able to challenge. But I think some of that has been taken away in the fact that everyone's just thinking about Ronaldo, especially like that it just takes some of the pressure off some of the younger and new players. For example, Sancho, he's going to get a lot more time to impress because a lot of the attention is on Ronaldo. So I'm interested to see how it can develop. I think looking at Man City, Liverpool and Chelsea at the minute, they're just looking very imperious. I don't know if United can keep up with them, but I think that's what makes it so interesting. It can go either way between these four. I'll let you both just comment on Ronaldo, shall we say. What did you think, Charlie, seeing Ronaldo back in the Premier League? Just enjoy it in general because he's back in the Premier League. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's always um, going to be a, a great moment to see that back, particularly in front of the, of the fans. Um, I think it does have to be said that the goalkeeping was particularly mm-hmm. bad on both both of his two goals. Um, but like you said, it was his movement on the first one that got it, and then this, on the second one, the, the run that he made as well. So you can't take anything away from that. But yeah, the, the keeping was particularly bad, and I'm particularly I am I'm looking forward to Leeds playing them next week, playing Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping for something from Rafinha in that game if if they're going to defend like that as well. But yeah, yeah, Manu looked pretty good. I I I, I enjoyed um, Luke Shaw's performance again as well. I think the the fact he's now got someone like that in the box to to aim at. Obviously, that's not actually how the, his assist came about. It just came through a sort of progressive pass through the middle. But um, it's, it's Luke, Luke Shaw's kind of known for creating a lot of chances, but very low quality chances. Um, compared to the likes of Trent, for example, but having a player like Ronaldo makes those chances into good ones He with his movement, with what he does with it after the ball comes to him. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of of the players in the team are going to benefit from from having him there. And, and like you say, just the kind of the, the lift of the whole team is is a, a huge factor that, that he brings. So, yeah, all, all around, I'm sure it's um, a great feeling for you and a great feeling for the for the team. Yeah, slightly disappointed I wasn't there to see it live. That's like one of those amazing experiences, isn't it? But I'm getting a slight consolation because I am actually going to the West Ham game at the weekend. So I'll see his first away game. Obviously, it's not the same, the home crowd, but still get to see him quite early on in his second stint with the club. But yeah, like you said, the goalkeeping, especially on that first goal, that was just atrocious on that first goal, really. It's like I mentioned, Greenwood was very lucky to get to the assist. The second goal... Slight blame. Quite unlucky that it's gone through his legs, but definitely get what you mean there. What, what do you think, Sam? Happy to have Ronaldo back? Well, it might make United slightly more competitive, but just in general for the Premier League. Yeah, not too much else to add from what Charlie said, really. Um, just kind of felt an air of inevitability around that whole occasion. The fans were... That was probably one of the best atmospheres you've seen in Old Trafford for a number of seasons. That's not a dig, that's just... You know, a it's fact, true, I yeah. think, um, is incredible to see them all there at the end of the game as well. And you've got thousands of fans staying behind for an hour after after the final whistle. Yeah. It tells you all you need to know about the uh, the fanatic that he's bringing around. So, uh, yeah, good for the Premier League, good for football, good for Man United, bad for everyone else. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Summed up quite well there. <laughs> Um, so we're just as we're talking about Ronaldo, I wanted to touch on another premium forward. So obviously Ronaldo scored twice, Lukaku with another two goals. 
is well, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this question to you both, but then I think I already know what the answer is. And I feel I'm gonna say, are you gonna bring either of them in? But then you're both gonna to reply to me and say you're gonna wildcard them in in game week seven. It's quite likely what you're gonna tell me. Would I be wrong with making that statement for you both? Sounds about you, right. You would be wrong for me. Oh, I'll be wildcarding them in in game week eight. <laughs> Close enough. Bringing up that topic of wildcard, my team is in dire straits, I'm not going to lie. And there's a consideration I could be looking at the wildcard. But I think I'm, I'm going to touch on that a bit more in the second half of the podcast with potential transfer plans because at the minute, I've not got much of a strike force, let's put it that way, especially with DCL's injury. Was there any other results from the past weekend that you guys wanted to touch on? We kind of touched on Wolves and some of the big guns. Anyone else jump out there for you? I think the the Palace victory at Spurs, against Spurs has to be talked about. Um, mm-hmm. I think from Spurs' point of view, it, it was kind of coming. I've, I think anyone yeah. that has been seeing some of the underlying stats and things from Spurs' games so far, it, it felt like they were due conceding quite a few goals um obviously it wasn't helped by the, a bit of um i don't know naivety from tanganga getting his two yellow cards um but yeah i, I thought palace just looks really good um obviously edward coming on and, and getting two goals in in the last whatever it was six minutes seven minutes is uh exactly what they need they need that um sort of someone else for for people to think about and not just Sahar all the time and um he's he's obviously it's very early to say but they they he's looking like the player that they would have hoped Benteke was gonna be. Um which sounds funny to say now obviously after the fact but um yeah they, they just need that striker that's gonna pick them up regular goals and just take some of that weight off um weight off Sahar in terms of goals at least. Um but yeah, it's 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 a funny one with Spurs because they they've really been underwhelming in terms of, and, and maybe this just sounds biased, but I'm I'm trying to base it in logic or, or in terms of things like possession and shots and all these things. They're they're way under what you'd expect for a team that are going to be aiming for where they where they are. So across the first four games, they've averaged forty three percent possession, and you've got to take into account that's including games against Wolves, Watford, and Palace. And it was only the um, Watford game where they actually had more pos- more possession than the opposition. So it's yeah, it's it's a bit strange. Obviously, they've got things going on with the whole Kane drama at the beginning of the season, and um, and they've now got to factor in as well the go- going away to for the Europa Conference League and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a strange one for them. I, I don't see them um, necessarily challenging anything anywhere near top four. Um, I, I'd imagine they're. It would be a, a shootout between us and them for Europa League spaces this year. Um, but yeah, I think all credit to Palace. They they looked um, very good. Yeah, I think even before Tanganga got sent off, Palace were definitely the better team. I think yep. even Tanganga should have really been sent off for his first yellow, well, supposedly yellow card where he literally rugby tackled Zaha, <laughs> which was kind of ridiculous that him and Zaha both got the same punishment. See. Yeah. It was a bit of a melee afterwards, but very strange one. I think it was just annoyed at him at that point. Well, it, was, it was also from the same move, wasn't it, where Spurs had a player down injured, so it was kind of a bit upset that the ball wasn't 
kicked out, so he just kind of kicked out with Zaha, or should I say, rugby tackled Zaha. But I definitely agree with what you said with Spurs, because in two of the games so far where they have won, the one because of a penalty, and then one of them, Son just crossed the ball and it went past everyone. So they're not being convincing at all. And even the first game when they beat City, Son had to score a wonder goal. So it's been very, kind of what you've said as well about the possession, they seem to be playing a bit more like counter-attack and not keeping the ball, which seems a bit strange. It's slightly worked in the first three fixtures, but I don't think long-term it just gets a bit found out. But yeah, definitely coming for Spurs. We've finally knocked them off the top of the table between all of us, but I'm sure Charlie's happy with that one as well. Positive weekend all around for Charlie. <laughs> and, and to be fair, there's nothing wrong with playing counter per se because mm. they did that quite a lot under Mourinho with, and it worked well between yeah. working between Son and Kane, obviously. But they're they're not clicking at the moment, and quite often they're in, obviously with. Um, earlier in the season when Kane wasn't playing and then now Son being out, so it's only Kane. And they're, play, they're playing more of a, a system where it's got to be around the team rather than just those two. So they, they can't really rely on the way they used to last season. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just not working in, in the way the team is set up now. Yeah, definitely. I think the Kane saga kind of hasn't helped, well, so it hasn't helped them, but it doesn't look as normal self and I think it was I think it was the Watford game there was a certain chances that he'd normally expect him to score but it just needs to wait and click and obviously Son being out is not going to help them but we'll see how they go I can't imagine they're going to finish much far out from where I predicted them kind of like Europa League kind of spots like you said fighting out with yourselves around those areas but we'll see how they go what about you Sam anything to talk about on Spurs or any other fixtures that grabbed your attention not really, just uh, another another impressive three points on the road for Brighton. Um, they are mm. really creeping up there, and they look a really well organised outfit this season. So, shout out to them. Uh, I saw that. Well, actually, looking at that game, they didn't particularly look threatening at all until like the last maybe half an hour, fifteen minutes. Brentford looked pretty decent, I thought, as well going forward. I think it is in Buembo. In Buembo. Get it out. Looked pretty good. Had quite a, well. I say looked pretty good. He had the opportunities just to, didn't put them away, which I was slightly annoyed at, seeing as though you both got Sanchez in goal. But I, I think it's just it is quite nice just to see because for so much of last season, Brighton played so well and never got the results yeah. from <laughs> it. So it's just nice to see them start getting some points. Even like you say, they, they weren't necessarily as good as they could have been. But just picking up the points that they probably are due by now. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to touch on the Everton game as well, which is currently ongoing. I've just seen a quote, well, some kind of quote from the match where it said, Chris Wood is currently playing like Ibrahimovic. So Burnley looked like they've started <laughs> quite well. They've had a decent shot that Pickford's already saved. And they're currently on 55% possession and six shots compared to Everton's two. So it seems like they're going for it so far. But Dini is still hanging on to his clean sheet. Give you a bit of a status update right there. <laughs> so I think that's enough on the fixtures. So I think we're going to do a general breaker between the game weeks. So we did a Champions League game last last week when we recorded as well. And I thought keeping up that theme as the Champions League starts tomorrow. We've got another Champions League themed quiz. Obviously, I say it's FBL quiz, but it's, it's football related, so it counts. So, you've both currently locked at 2 2. 
I hope you've got your thinking caps on again. I would argue this is slightly... Hmm, I'll see what you think when I tell you the topic. I think it's slightly easier than last week. But you might disagree when I tell you what it is. So you're both drawing 2-2. Two, two. You should be let go first. Any... Want to volunteer to go first? Or do you want me to tell you what the quiz is about first? Uh, no, Charlie can go first. That's fine. Okay. What, so... what gentleman? <laughs> This should depend on that's a good or a bad thing, because we're going to do exactly, exactly the same as we did last time. So if you get the answer wrong, you're out. So yep. he's probably done it quite well there, to be fair, making sure you get more answers in. Um, so we're going to be doing the Champions League top goal scorers in the history of the Champions League. So as we did last week, from the start of the Champions League, so 66 years worth of the Champions League, I'm going to give you a few, not, not hints to the actual players, but I'm going to give you some kind of facts and things to think about before we get into it. So in the modern game, there's a lot more Champions League games than there used to be. So this listing is quite weighted to more modern players. So that's just giving you a bit of a hint towards some of them. And this list is the top 20. So we're going to go do the top 20 goal scorers. And... To, to resolve something straight away, there's two players in this list that have got the same name. So I'm going to give these two players to start with, just so it avoids confusion later down the line. So you've got Thomas Muller and you've got Gerd Muller in this list. I'm going to tell you what goals they've got and where they are in the listing to give you a bit of a guide as well. I wanted to get that out at the start before we get into confusion in the middle. So this should be a good gauge for you both to try and work out how many goals different people have got as well. So this is a list of 20. So Thomas Muller for Bayern Munich, who's still playing, of course, is 11th on the list with 47 goals in the Champions League. So that's a good middle ground for you there. And then Gerd Muller, who used to also play for Bayern Munich quite some time ago, has 34 goals, and that is last on the list at 20, 20th place. So that gives you a bit of a, kind of puts a figure to some of them to start with as well. So you're going to be guessing the other 18 on the list. Does that make sense to you both? Yep. Yep, sounds good. So, fire away, Charlie. Well, um, the obvious one who I assume is the top is CR7. That is correct. He's on 134 goals, which is a crazy number, really. But he has also played, like I think it was 150, 160 games, which is a ridiculous amount of games at the same time. Directed number one. Right, keep talking while you're giving me time to write down more. <laughs> That's not how it works. All That's right, let's go for the hit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go Messi. Yeah, Messi's number two, 15 behind Ronaldo with 119. But Messi's got a better per games ratio. He's 0. 0.8 goals per game compared to Ronaldo's 0. 0.77. So, so we can argue he's better. But you can argue some of it's it's quite good to see the comparison when you do the goals per game because a lot of the more recent players have got a worse strike rate than the other players from back in the day, but they used to play a lot less games. You using the comparison like Ronaldo has played like 150 Champions League games. Some of these great players from the past have probably played about 50 or 60, so their like goals per game ratio is quite impressive for some of them. 
But yeah, you've got one and two. So on you go, Charlie. Um, I would have a guess that this guy's probably third. If not third, maybe fourth. Um, Lewandowski. Lewandowski is third with 73. So it's quite a big jump between Messi and Lewandowski. Messi 119 and then Lewandowski 73. Okay, let's go for Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He is joint ninth with 48 goals across obviously various clubs. Um, I'm going to go with my main man, Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry is seventh with 50, two more than Ibra. Hey, let's go with another Frenchman, uh, Karim Benzema. Yep, Benzema is fifth with 70, which is a good number for him. Um, let's go with Sergio Aguero. He is on the list, all the way down at number 17 with 41 goals. Okay, uh, Raul. Raul is the highest one you were missing so far in fourth with 71, one above Benzema. So you've got the top five and then a few died further down as well. I would be shocked if Didier Drogba was not in this list. It's quite surprisingly low down at 14 with 44, which is actually more than Aguero. Uh, Andrei Shevchenko. He is in joint ninth for the same Zebra, 48. Um, let's think. I'm thinking of, I can think of players that I remember seeing playing in some of these big games, but I'm just trying to remember if they're actually high yeah. goal scorers in them. Um, Well, I'm sure, based on Manu's record, Van Nistelrooy must be in there. Yep, he's sixth. He was the highest one you was missing with 56 goals. I think he had some crazy stats. I think he's the one, well, before the kind of Messi and Ronaldo era, he had the most like Champions League golden boot winning. He had quite a few, probably like, I think it was four. He had a very good scoring rate, in it, especially in the Champions League. Hey, uh, let's go for Neymar. Yep, he's down in 16th. With be my next one. Join with Aguero. I've got two more, and then <laughs> so, I'm out. So there is one, so two, get, three. Get three and oh, you win, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's six more names left. You've got... I'm struggling with more than two, probably. Um... I'm gonna have some... You're getting to the very difficult range, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I'm wondering whether to take a shot with like an older name or which I just will have no idea whether or not they did it in the Champions League or not. Yeah, I'm gonna give you both or... one more guess and then I'll give you a kind of a little clue on the other one. Yeah. Um somewhere in my mind I seem to remember 
him having a particularly good record in the, or not a necessarily good record, but just scoring goals in the league. So I'm going to go with Cavani. That's a good one. Joint 18th with <sighs> 35. So he snuck in by basically two goals because the bottom had 34 and he had 35. That is a good one. I, I just Very I just good. remember him scoring against us in the Champions League before. So. Well, most pleasingly, Cavani wasn't on my list. So mm, still got oh, a few, in few bullets in the chamber. Well, you hope. You uh, said that last time. Well, yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for uh, Alessandro Del Piero. Yep. Yeah. He's in there at 15th with 42. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I've got two more. One I'm 100% on, the other one's a bit sort of, I don't know. Yeah, I think I know you're clutching at a few straws. <laughs> okay. Because Sam's got a few answers, I'm not going to give you a clue there because I think it'll yeah, be no, a bit that's, of an there's, there's one name I'm thinking of, and I'm just trying to work out the logic in my head. Of, I'm I'm now at the point where I'm thinking of teams rather than teams that have done well in the Champions League rather mm. than players, and then working backwards. Um, well, yeah, I've not got anyone else. This will be my last one, I think. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Inzaghi. Yeah, that is correct. In joint twelve with forty six. That was the was that what you had, Sam, or not? That was not the hundred percent one, but he was the uh, he was the one that I wasn't hundred percent sure on. So. Okay, I'm very interested to see who this hundred percent one is then. This is this is rolling back the years a bit. This is, this okay. is old school. This is right at the start of the Champions League. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for Di Stefano of uh, Real Madrid. That is correct. He's in eighth with forty nine. Charlie's scared can I, now. Can I have a clue? <laughs> Are we at the clue stage yet? Well, I can say that these the two players you got left are not from modern day Champions League. Okay, we've only got two left. Yeah, there's two left. They're not from modern day, so we're probably talking FIFA icon type players. I was hoping you'd respond He's just scrolling through the FIFA archives now. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad at it. Um... Yeah, I'm, I'm stumped at this point. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to have to throw a name out there. Um... think based on the number of kind of high profile clubs he's played for i'm gonna have a shout oh wait you said not modern day <laughs> okay this isn't my guess but i was going along the lines of ete but if he's not modern day i'm, not, I'm gonna stick away from that um oh god this is <laughs> Uh, I was impressed with Sam's answer, to be fair. I thought we were going to get stuck on those three. put the kettle on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I am going to just go 
with R9. I don't know. That's I'm not sure where else I can go. I'm not no. sure about that one. That's incorrect. Yeah. Well, I, I think I have one more from where you're talking about. They're both old school. Go on then. Is uh, is Eusebio in there? Yeah. He's number 12 with 46. Oh, go on. <laughs> so when Charlie said FIFA icons, I was yeah, like... Yeah, when he said that, I was like, oh, i got to say. Like, yeah, when he said that, both of the players are FIFA icons. So you've got Eusebio. <laughs> oh, Crespo? No. It, well, it's going back, isn't it? Crespo's quite Oh, modern. yeah. Oh, um... Oh, the bloke from uh, from Hungary. Yeah, Puskas. Uh, Puskas. Yeah. I, would, I, I don't think I would have... I mean, it was just a toss-up, so I wouldn't... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I, I kind of thought I'd give you the two Mullers because Gerd Muller, I don't think you particularly would have got either. So it left you with those kind of three difficult ones. I wouldn't have got yeah. Gerd Muller. You yeah. would have got Thomas Muller, I think. But, uh... yeah. yeah, you would have got him, but not Gerd Muller. But yeah, that's another one to Sam then. It all. So three, two... <laughs> And we'll try and revert from the Champions League next time, but that wasn't a bad one too, I didn't think. That's not bad, that isn't, to be fair. We've got 18 of them. <laughs> yeah, can't complain about that. Pretty I did, good going. I did, I did give you two, so. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose. So I suppose we've got 16. Yeah, in fairness, I have to make some of these answers difficult, otherwise you just draw every week and there's not much point to it, so. <laughs> That's what I found out the first few times where I had to do like three different rounds just to find the winner. So, yeah. <laughs> I've got to the point where I've got to make it quite difficult because I know your guys' expertise. But yeah, we're going to move on to talking about the next game week. So, we're going to talk about game week five. We'll fire it over to the quiz champion for this week and give me your fixtures that you think going to be good for FPL this coming week. So, Okay, fixtures I think are going to be good for FPL this week. Liverpool at home to Crystal Palace. Uh, Liverpool in great form. Palace off the back of a good 3-0 win against Spurs. Well, I thought Spurs were woeful um, against Palace, to be honest. Uh, so I fully expect Liverpool to win with a clean sheet there. Um, City at home to Southampton. It's just going to be difficult for Southampton in that game. Um, in general, City just very good at home, very well-structured, well-organised, so good on the ball. It could, it could be anything. I, I don't think Southampton are going to get too much from that game. So Liverpool and City assets. In terms of assets in a, in those sort of mid-tier games, a lot of the a lot of the, those kind of players have got tricky games this weekend. Uh, Brighton play Leicester. So if you've got any sort of Leicester midfielders or Jamie Vardy um, up against a really tight Brighton defence at home, um, obviously, the West Ham guys have got Man United at home, so I wouldn't necessarily rate rate that fixture too highly. Um, so I think, to be fair, that if you're really looking for a punt outside of Liverpool and Man City, Wolves are at home to Brentford um, and maybe Bamford against Newcastle. Um, other than that, I think the Liverpool and Man City options are the way to go this weekend. I'll let you talk to any other fixtures that you see there, Charlie, or that's very similar to what Sam said. Yeah, I, th- I think Sam's nailed it, really. Um, those could be my main ones. And yeah, even to the point of a, a differential fixture in Leeds-Newcastle as well. So yeah, I think everything Sam just said, really. Yeah, I was going to te- touch on Rafinha, obviously, with Bamford as well on the Leeds fixture. You touched on Brighton Leicester, Sam. What about if uh, you're like me and you've got a Leicester defender? Do you fancy him to keep clean sheet? I'm not really convinced by Leicester at all at the minute. 
but... just a really difficult fixture to call in general, isn't it? Because Brighton have yeah. been so good defensively. Leicester, you don't really associate Leicester with getting thumped when they lose. Um, and Leicester are certainly good enough to go there and, and get a result. So it's just it's just one of those that you wouldn't like want to back either side necessarily comfortably. Um, I think it's just got sort of 1-1 written all over it. Yeah. Maybe maybe even a nil-nil. Depends. It just depends what kind of Brighton side turn up. Um, if, if the Brighton turn up that are so so defensively resilient, then uh, yeah, I, I think Leicester might struggle. But uh, equally, you know, Leicester might might uh, Leicester have got a couple of really good technicians. Um, they they could get a result. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be a tough one to call that. If you've got a Brighton defender, I wouldn't necessarily take them out. Um, I know it's not really an option for me anyway, but I I would have no hesitation playing Sanchez in goal in this fixture. Um, equally, I would have sort of no hesitation if you had a Marte knocking about and he was still playing for Leicester. I'm not I'm not even sure if he is to be perfectly honest because I haven't had him in my yeah, team personally. He didn't play the weekend because he, he sat on my bench, but I've got a Marte and Bertrand. So yes, yeah, so if you, if you had Bertrand, for example, I I wouldn't not play him because they're going to Brighton. Um, yeah. So it's, it could just be a really good fixture for the defensive assets of both teams, really. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've currently got Bertrand starting because I've not got many of the starters in the team in general, but that's a different comment. I think we should also um, give a shout-out to Hills in the chat, our resident Leicester fan, who also says that Leicester fans aren't convinced either about about the game. And, and I think also that you just never know what Brighton's going to turn up. Particularly, sometimes defensively they can be a bit more consistent, but going forwards, you just never know if they're going to have an absolute shocker or if they're going to score a couple. So, yeah, it's almost impossible to predict it really. Yeah, I think Brighton have looked, especially in the first few games, looked a bit shaky from set pieces. They looked good going forward from set pieces, like Duffy, but then they didn't look convincing at the back when the ball was played. But that's one to watch out for as well. It's going to be a heck of a set of fixtures on Sunday in general. Brighton, Leicester, mm. West Ham, Man United, and Spurs, Chelsea. I see. You know that is a super Sunday. Yeah, I'm happy to be going to the game in the middle, but I'm missing out on the games either side. But I'm not going to complain as long as the result goes well. But I think we can talk while we're talking about that. We can touch on Antonio being out of that game, which I think is a huge benefit for United. Obviously, I'm not downplaying West Ham's chances there as well. But what do we think of Antonio missing? And the second question, what would you be doing with him in your teams, the fact that he's suspended? We go back to Charlie for that one to start with. Um, so first of all, I think it completely kills our third hack, to be completely yeah. frank. Um, particularly now they don't have the likes of Lingard. Obviously, we've talked before about how Ben Rahman has kind of come into that Lingard role, but he's definitely not at least we've not seen evidence yet of him being able to do it completely on his own. Whereas we did see that with Lingard when Antonio was out for a stretch last season. Um, so yeah, from my point of view, I, I'm obviously it's going to be, um, you know, saying it and then, and then the complete opposite happens now, but I'm, I'm fairly confident in a sure clean sheet in that game now with Antonio out. Um, in terms of FPL, I'm very split as to what I want to do because Obviously, it's only one game, and I think anyone being out for just one game, particularly an asset that's been doing really well and is in good form, it's not like he's got injured or he's in he's got into bad form. It's just because he's got this one game suspension. So anyone like that, I'm I'm always tempted just to bench them for the week. That being said, I'm worried that the fact that he's not going to be able to play that game then means that he's 
has he's more likely to start. Obviously, it's the Europa League now, so he he might start that game just because he won't be playing at the weekend. And then also the week after uh, midweek is the um, EFL Cup, um, yeah. where it's the same fixture again. It's West Ham Man United, so you'd expect almost with a certainty that he'll play that game. Um, which does then concern me for the game after, just because we we know this track record of Antonio and getting injured, um, and and how his hamstrings can hold up. So that's on the back of my mind. So if if I was going to swap him out, it would likely be for one of Bamford or Jimenez. I think because I've already got two Wolves assets, I'd probably just steer clear of Jimenez for now, unless he starts kicking into gear in in the next couple of games, and then I'll look back at it. But I think it's if if I do make a move, it'll likely be to Bamford. Um, obviously, if anyone's got sort of two transfers or, or wants to take a hit, they might start looking at some of the bigger assets like Lukaku or um, or Ronaldo. Which, yeah, I'd, I'd probably go Ronaldo if I was going to choose the two right now. And then, obviously, as we've said, make the switch to Lukaku from game week seven. Um, but yeah, personally, I think either it's going to be a bench uh, for me or Bamford. Obviously, for everyone else, it just depends. I think probably on the strength of your bench. Yeah, I don't think it's. A bad time to actually get off the West Ham assets, bearing in mind the Europa League that's coming up. And they've got two okay fixtures after the Man United game, and then it gets a bit tougher. So I'm not saying you ruling out taking Antonio out. And as I kind of touched on earlier in the podcast, if I was on a wild card, I would probably, which what I'm considering, I might actually take Ben Rama and Antonio both out and not think about getting them back in. Because Antonio obviously had the issue with his hamstring that we've seen previously, and I can just see if he's playing a lot of games, especially in Europe. I think it's going to be, I want to watch, well, we're going to be able to see the first game, how much Antonio plays in that, but it doesn't really have much relevance because he's suspended for the Premier League game. But I want to see if West Ham are going to take the Europa League serious or not. So that's one to be looking out for. I think that's something we need to be watching out for across everyone as well. One thing I noticed on the weekend as well, especially with Chelsea, that they rotated quite a lot of their team ready for the Champions League. So that makes me slightly hesitant about their assets for game week seven as well, because um, I think it was only Alonso and Rudiger who actually have played every game for them so far in the Premier League. So I'm a bit unsure outside of Lukaku, what assets are always going to play in the actual Premier League. But the same question to you as well, Sam. What would you be doing with Antonio? Uh, I actually think, as you said, my initial thought with Antonio was it's all right, um, you know, you can just stick him on the bench and bring him back in, back in afterwards. But I think um, it might be a good idea to, to move off of Antonio now as well. So Bamford's down at 7.9, having started the season at 8.0. So he's down in value as well with an incredible run of fixtures. You know, I'm just playing around with it now, and I, I think it might be, for me, a good time to use these these two transfers that I've had saved up and bring in Bamford for Antonio and uh, free up that third Liverpool option, should I want it, and bring in uh, a Wolves defender. Uh, Wolves defender, sorry. Um, so I think, it's for me, this week, it's going to be Bamford for Antonio and uh, Marcel in at the back for uh, Simicas, who had sort of just been rotting on the bench Um I think that's going to be my move this week. Um, I think Samedo's got lower ownership than Marcel, and I anticipate that's probably just off the back of Marcel having a really good week last week. Uh, but Marcel at 0.4 less, I think probably provides a similar attacking threat 
um, on the other side of the pitch. The other option is Cody, who's just going to be like a banker. He's going to play every week, every minute. Um, but yeah, I like the Marcel at the moment shout. So I think that's probably going to be my move this week. Um, not really got too much of an issue with Ben Rama sticking around because if West Ham do um, create some kind of chances when Antonio's not there, then Ben Rama's probably going to be involved in some form. Um, but yeah, I think for now, with Antonio being out, and then you know we talked before the season about how Antonio comes and goes in waves. Um, he, he's been on an incredible high for such a such a long period of time, and then just had an absolute stop in that wave with the red card. It could be, you know, looking at history, that he doesn't really recover from that for a little while. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily think it's a bad time at all to move off Antonio. And disagree. Like Cam mentioned as well, I think with the Semedo and the Marcel, I think a lot of it is to do with the price that 0.5 million that people are trying, or 0.4 million, isn't it now, that people are trying to save. But I think Marcel's actually gone up in price, so it's actually only 0.3 million now. But I think it, people are looking for that budget price in defence, and especially now that he's got that whole philosophy, everyone's just going to jump straight on there. I think the main other side of that with Marcel as well, there is a potential that he could get rotated with Nate Nori while Semedo doesn't have really a backup right back. So unless he gets injured, Semedo's a lot more nailed than uh, Marcel on the other side. But if Marcel's playing like that, there's no way he'll get dropped anyway. But it's just a point to watch out yeah. for. I think Nate Nori's only played six minutes so far this season in four games. Yeah. So I think he's probably just... Yeah, I, I see what you mean about rotation, but when Marcel's in the form he's in, like you say, mm. I don't think uh, rotation comes into it really for Wolves. Because yeah, I think he had a few injuries, didn't he, last season, Marcel, so he didn't get as much game time, but he's yeah. looks a bit fitter this season, so definitely a good option. But I feel like it could be similar for over the next few weeks that Marcel and Semedo, you know, just depend on the game, who can get that attacking return, because they're both are really attacking. Marcel was quite unlucky to actually not score from his second assist because it was cleared off the line and then Wang Hee Chan put in the rebound. So definitely two good I think they're quite exciting options. I think that Wolves back five makes it quite exciting to watch for them as well. What did you think about the point I've made about Chelsea as well, Sam? Does that put any hesitation about your Chelsea assets if you bring in more than say Lukaku on your wild card? Um I think the only other Chelsea player that I might consider around wildcard would be Rudiger, uh, just because I think yeah. he seems to be like a stalwart at the back for them. Um, and I think Tuchel really likes the aggressive nature that Rudiger brings. Um, it's almost like that kind of what Thiago Silva brings, um, but just with a little bit more athleticism about him at this stage in his career. Um, so I, I don't, as, as much as I like Reese James as an option, I think there there are other fullbacks who probably offer the potential of scoring as many or, or more points than, than James does at, at that price point. Um, Chil, that, you know, Chilwell's not really in the conversation. Alonso seems to be starting there. Um, maybe maybe Alonso, but I, I don't know. Um, but for me, Lukaku will be coming in at some point in that run, likely to be sort of game week eight, I think. And Tuchel has a sort of history of rotating his wing-backs quite a lot as well, um, both in this job and his previous jobs as well. So I, I think, yeah, they're, they're probably the most likely to 
or, or have the high, highest ceiling of any of the defenders, but it's just whether you're going to get them consistent starts enough to justify going for them, which I, I think, like Sam says, you, you're, you're probably not. You're better off going with someone of equal price in, in a different team that's more reliable to start. Um, for me, yeah, personally, Lukaku is obviously the main one I'm thinking of. Potentially Mount as well. I, I think it's only the last game that he didn't start, and that was just really because of the playing all the international games and so on. Um, but he seems to be just a regular starter in whichever Chelsea team goes out. Um, and it could be an interesting switch around that price. Um, the Yeah, I, I think, yeah, potentially Rudiger. I think Aspilicueta as well sometimes. And he might be getting that little bit too old now, potentially, to, to think about. But um, he has previously been a regular starter. I guess you just got to keep an eye on minutes, particularly we've luckily got this next couple of game weeks before that big fixture swing um, to see kind of what what the Champions League football does to to the starts. I think the Azpilicueta thing, sorry to jump in, just I think he's just a little bit too overpriced at 6.0 in relation to Rudiger at 5.5. Um you know, Reese James at 5.6 I think. Um I think Alonso is 5.6, so he might be 5.7 now. Um Azpilicueta is probably going to be there and thereabouts for all of the big games like like Charlie said, but um, might might sort of struggle in terms of keeping a place in rotation as the season drags on because of you know he is a little bit older than the other guys. So yeah, I didn't realize that's the quite that expensive. It doesn't really make him as worthwhile, does it? There. But how do we expect Chelsea to do against Spurs then in that fixture? Expecting a convincing win based on what we've said previously. Well, maybe not as convincing because it's at Spurs. What do you think, Sam? I wouldn't really say that convincing. Yes, Spurs did get torn apart by Palace, but everyone has you know off days. Um, Spurs have been resilient in their opening few games, which is something that they haven't been for a long time. Um, so yeah, I don't think Chelsea are going to run out three 0 winners. Um, you know, but I do think the numbers are a bit concerning for Spurs, as Charlie pointed out earlier on in the pod. Uh, I can see Chelsea winning. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's going to be a thumping. Would be surprised if it was more than two nil. Yeah, it being quite a lot of controlled two nil. Kind of very well. I'm not going to say very similar to the Arsenal game because I really should have scored more than two. But that kind and of. I actually kind think Spurs of... are going to. I think Spurs will score at least. Spurs at home. Um, you know the Sunday evening kickoff. The crowd will be in. Plenty yeah. of noise in the new stadium. Wouldn't surprise me if uh, Mr. Kane picks this fixture to make his return to goal-scoring form. Um, who knows? It's a tough one to call. I, I think I personally think Chelsea will just nick it. Um, I would say if I was going to wager on this game, I'd go 2-1 Chelsea. Yeah, Spurs could do similar to what they did to City, couldn't they? Like we mentioned about counter-attacking earlier, that they could just play the perfect counter-attacking game and catch Chelsea out. But yeah. It's another test of Chelsea's credentials. Seems that they have a lot of the away games earlier on in the season. But then they'll have a nicer run later on in the season. But one to watch out for in the exciting title race that we're looking forward to. I just wanted to touch on our little bet that we've got going on between our cheap midfielders. I'm quite liking the South's fixture away at Norwich this coming game week. I'm not going to lie. I think I can do you both over here. I can see Damari Gray has not done anything in the first 50 minutes for Everton tonight. So, and he's got Villa away that is slightly difficult. I can't see Gray being as effective with DCL out of the team as well. 
I'm pretty no. sure Tamari Gray has been the best player on the pitch uh, for Everton tonight. And, well, Everton. Is that, is that speaking as someone that's not watching the game? That's uh, just, you know, just <laughs> keeping up with uh, the live feeds from various uh, reputable sporting representations. <laughs> He's not Chris Wood, though, is he? That's the issue. No, Chris Wood <laughs> has missed a header. So, uh, who knows yeah. what's going to happen. Well, I guess Greg can finish on, like, Adama Traore, so... It might be the time to shine for the, that Brentford fixture, but Brentford aren't too bad at the back. Uh, looking at those fixtures on paper, I'm slightly hesitant because Watford are away from home. I'd say Sarah's got a decent chance to outscore you both, but probably won't. Maybe. 1-0 Norwich, I think. Yeah, it's not going to be... That's probably going to be one of the worst games of the weekend. But they can prove me wrong, it could turn out to be a 4-4, but... That's a massive game, by the way. Just yeah. just to touch on that briefly. Whoever loses that game, it's, it's, it's I know it's pretty early to say in game week, uh, game week four, game week five. I, I can say anyway. Whoever loses that game is down. Um, you can't get points against Norwich. If you can't get, if you're Norwich and you can't get points against Watford, you're not staying up. And if you're Watford yeah. and you can't get points against Norwich, you're not staying up. Yeah. I've just seen a notification coming through, alerting me to a Burnley goal. Fantastic. Ah, <laughs> not ideal. Ben um, me, ben, ben me with the header. <laughs> what a surprise! Um, yeah. No complaints over here. Complaints from both of you, but I'm fine with that. I was going to put when I saw well, DCL, don't mind Everton losing, but you know. Yeah, when I saw DCL out, I was tempted to put a bet on Burnley. I don't fancy Everton at all without DCL in the team. Hmm. That's a different question. Well. Uh, I feel like asking you both a similar question that I seem to ask every podcast. If you had to pick a city asset for that Southampton game, who would you pick, Sam? Grealish. I was going to say Grealish every time because yeah. he's the only one that's really like set on to set on to start. Yeah. Um, and Southampton will probably play with a back five, I'd imagine, with with wing backs. Yeah. Um, when they go to the Etihad, and you know, getting. Wouldn't surprise me if Grealish picked up a couple of assists there. Um, you know, unlocking unlocking the defence. So for me, Grealish again. Um, although special shout for some City defenders. Yeah. You know, Cancelo is uh, really picking up form at the minute. He, I've got him in a in an FPL draft league that we're doing, um, and I'll certainly be looking at him when it comes round to wild carding. So um, yeah, I think Cancelo is honourable mention, but for me, Grealish. Yeah, I might have to stop asking that question then if we're going to get the same answer every time. <laughs> joking. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you be going for, Charlie? Yeah, Cancelo was going to be my pick. So he's three clean sheets out of four now, got yeah. an assist in the last game as well. Um, he's, he seems to be... Obviously, Man City, we know they can be really solid against most people in the league. Um, and you obviously have to have that extra attacking threat. So you kind of offer both routes to points. Whereas we're... With the attack, if you're going purely for an attacker, you're just kind of banking on them being the one. We know City will almost likely score against everyone. It's just which one of their players will score. So you're kind of banking on it being your one that week. Um, whereas, yeah, just the extra routes to points that Cancelo gets, I think, um, yeah, makes him worth it. Yeah, I think defence is definitely the place to go. Because especially at home, they're very solid as well, Like because they've got the possession a lot of the time. And yeah, Cancelo, I think he's a bit more nailed than he was last season as well, obviously, with what's happened with Mendy. Cancelo can play both sides, because there's only really Walker and Zinchenko who could play 
instead of him. And I think he likes that control that Cancelo gives to the team for Pep because he kind of, well, he's very good on the ball, isn't he, Cancelo? I think a lot better than the other two on the ball. So he likes to play sometimes where the fullbacks slip into the midfield and Cancelo loves a shot as well. So yeah, I think I'd be on Cancelo as well. So Diaz, if you want to be, probably, I'd say Diaz 100% nailed, but then I'd still argue Pep could still probably rotate him. So you know what Pep's like. I've always said, if you want a city asset and you don't want to get rotated, just pick Edison. <laughs> That's literally the only way you guaranteed him to start. But even he nearly got suspended, didn't he, for the last game week. I was expecting Scott Carson to come in. But, yeah, that's a different question. So, um, Sam's kind of mentioned his transfer plans. What are you kind of going towards at the minute, Charlie? I know you're in the same boat as me that you've seen at DCL. It's currently out for a few weeks by the sounds of it, but does that affect transfer plans or what was your initial thoughts? Uh, yeah, it does, because um, the difference between mine and your teams is that I've not got a third striker. So effectively, if both if Calvert-Lewin is out, it means I've, I've got no strikers, so I'm going to have to be forced into making a transfer. Um, whereas when it was just Antonio, I was potentially toying with, with just benching him and, and then playing a what would have been a 5-4-1. Um, but yeah, with both Antonio and Calvert-Lewin potentially out, it probably means I'll be moving Antonio on for Bamford, I'd expect. Um, but yeah, we, there's lots of football still to be played with Champions League and Europa League and so on. So I won't be doing anything until the end of the week and, and a lot more information and, and hopefully another Everton press conference just to see what Calvert-Lewin's um, situation is. But yeah, likely Antonio for Bamford, I reckon. You guys have got more set plan than me. I'm just looking at my team and I'm just like, bombs it, it. just a bit. I'm very tempted for the wildcard button, I'm not going to lie. So at the minute, obviously Antonio and Cavaloon are going to be out. And then at least me, my only striker is Tony, who is also going to decrease in price by the looks of it. So at the minute, the strikers are totally in the mud and... Tony's playing Wolves and then his run gets really difficult as well. So I was looking to offload Tony. So the strikers aren't looking great. And I was hoping to keep these strikers for another few game weeks and make a few changes in midfield because I targeted to get Rafinha in to midfield. But I'm like, if I don't wildcard, then I'm going to have to do a striker transfer, which is probably very similar to Charlie and maybe... DCL to Bamford or someone else. I just feel like that Leeds run coming up is just one you need to be going for. If I can't get Rafinha, then I'll probably have to go Bamford. But I think, especially because I haven't got much of a strong bench, so at the minute, I would have to bring in Brownhill from Burnley as my 11th player, and then my only backup is a Marty. So I'm a bit worried about a few more injuries that we could get that I might need to wild card and I'm not happy well I'm slightly more happy now Antonio is out that I've got four assets playing in that Man United game but at the minute I'm not fully convinced by the team at all see how I feel in a day or two if I was if the deadline was tonight I'd probably wild card just because the team's in absolute state but we'll try hold out for now Fingers crossed. If I come on the podcast next week and have wild card, then you've been pre-warned. 
I think the other transfer option, just just the other one quickly, that I might consider would be other than Marcel getting one of the reduced uh, price Arsenal assets in at the back, like Charlie was touching on, mm. like Ben White, for example, who I moved out earlier this season um, to protect the value. Um, 0.1 successfully protected if I go down that route. Mm-hmm. Um, bring White in, and then next week gives me the free switch from Ben Rama to Jota if I wanted to do that. So that's that's the other possibility. Yeah. So then I think we'll touch on potential captains for the week. So we've kind of highlighted the best fixtures. So the fact that we've kind of touched on Liverpool, I expect that Salah's quite high in the thinking for you both. Would that be right, Sam? Yep, Salah for me against Palace at home. Simple as that. Yep. Who's going to be your vice? I mean, probably Bruno. Um, but yeah, I think uh, there's one, no uh, no worries unless uh, unless Salah does gets an injury against uh, Milan in the Champions League on Wednesday. Um, especially now that Harvey Elliott's uh, had his injury. The lack of depth uh, on that right-hand side is a bit concerning now that Shakiri's gone to Leon as well. So uh, there's a lot of pressure on Salah now, not to get injured as well as return massive points. So um, I think he'll play almost every single game for Liverpool until someone who could potentially play on the right-hand side is available. Probably all the way till he gets to go to the African Cup of Nations at this rate. Well, yeah, exactly. I'm looking forward to seeing your front line, and that's in play yeah it's going to be a a spicy one for sure Um, Jota I can only imagine Origi and Oxlade Chamberlain I guess something like that who knows I'm sure Klopp's got a plan somewhere yeah that's it that's if the AFCON goes ahead you know it could be could be a few months down the line and and Covid still rife in uh, you know we've had the issues with Naby Keita coming back from international duty in in and amongst war zones. Yeah, um, so you know who knows? It's not it's not exactly guaranteed to go ahead at this point. Yeah, I wanted to touch on the point you said about the transfers there. That I think especially the Champions League fixtures, everyone should be leaving the transfers as late as possible. Especially, well, I think for, like if you're bringing in a wolf, that's it. Obviously, it's not as vital. But obviously, they could always pick up a training ground injury or something. But Think about when you're making transfers, especially this week. I think we've been okay between the Premier League fixtures previously because we've not really had a fixture in between, so you could kind of make that early move, but watch out for those European fixtures in midweek, especially if you're down to the bare bones like I am. Um, so, Charlie, would you send Zach the same as Sam in terms of captaincy? Yeah, no, no question about it for me. Salah was insta captain for me as soon as I saw my team for this week. Um, yeah, I don't even, I'm not even thought yet about who the vice captain is going to be on because I'm so sure Salah will start. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I don't see a reason to go anywhere else. I don't think there's any um, any other fixture that looks positive enough, other than maybe Man City. But obviously, again, there's the issue of any um, potential benching or, or whatever, particularly with European football as well in the mix. So yeah, Salah, easy for me. Yeah, I'll, I'll make it for a while, so I'm not going to disagree with, with, with you there. I think the next two weeks for me, it's most likely going to be Salah. He's got Brentford after as well, so that's a decent fixture. No one t- tempted to go for Trent, he's on decent form as well. Just a bit of a out there one. Yeah, Trent's not a bad shout, to be fair, and, and will be an amazing differential from Salah if, if he does get an assist. And yeah. like I did say a couple of weeks ago, and I'll stand true to this, 
Um, Liverpool at home, the points tend to be a lot more shared about than they do away from home um, in terms of their attacking returns. So that's actually a very good uh, good shout there with Trent. Um, I just think the fact that Salah takes penalties as well yeah. will uh, will just sway it in uh, in Salah's favour for me. But uh, yeah, good uh, good shout with Trent. Yeah, I think if we didn't see the attacking intent from Palace in the last game, I'd be very tempted to do it. Palace looked semi-decent going forward, as we saw against Spurs. Obviously, it was against Spurs, and they weren't great. But that slightly puts me off the fact that Crystal Palace have slightly more ability to actually grab that goal, which takes away part of the draw for Trent's clean sheet. But one to think about. I wonder what... I was going to say Salah's going to have a huge ownership, but then Lukaku and Ronaldo are probably still going to draw quite a few of that away. I think that's a good thing to see for the rest of the season, that... I think the first, especially like the first two weeks or so, when we didn't have Lukaku and Ronaldo as much, you saw how high Captain Bruno and Salah were. But now there's going to be a lot more spread because there's more premium assets, so brings a bit more variety. Are neither of you scared of Lukaku and Ronaldo this week? Expect them to hold decent or okay without them, Charlie? I I would be pretty certain that both score to be honest. Um but yeah, yeah. I, I if if I had both of them in my t- either of them in my team I would still be captaining Salah, which then kind of defeats the point of having them in my team yeah. at that price um compared to the others. So yeah, I, I'm sorry I'm to interrupt. Ready. Breaking news from Goodison. <laughs> the turnaround is complete. Oh, Everton yeah, are two one up. Andros no Townsend with an absolute thunderbolt. Latching onto a lovely pass. And then Demario from... Ray not involved. Decore. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know who got that assist. <laughs> no, it was um, Decore assist on that yeah, one. Yeah. And it Towns was um, Townsend assist first, yeah. I'd just like to make a shout out to earlier in the season where I recommended Demario Gray and Townsend as great value picks. I can see everyone's going to go to Townsend now instead of Gray. <laughs> well, and I also su- suggested you should have backed it and he didn't. So um, you've only got yourself to blame. I keep doing that quite a lot. I did that with Ferran Torres as well the week before. Oh, no. all, so. I've just seen some even worse news. There's been a third goal. Oh, no. <laughs> Get on! And it's for Damari Gray. Get on! <laughs> <laughs> what has happened in that five minutes? Burnley have just gone. Oh, it could be worse. It could have been an FPL. Top of the league well. for a reason, boys. He's top of the league for a reason. <laughs> At least we can say Sam hasn't got him in the team. Very much like my FPL picks. <laughs> Another Decore assist. He might, he uh, might yeah, start to come Decore has got been decent, hasn't he? Because he's they tend to play Allen, and then is he the second centre mid or is there another centre mid alongside him? But he's quite attacking from that centre mid. It's usually Allen, isn't it, who sits in there with him? Yeah, because I think was it it was either of you mentioned they're playing like two CDMs, but Decore does get quite forward in Benitez himself. So I think he's scored and got another assist in another game as well. So. I think it was a ridiculously low ownership, below 1%, I think, at one point. Yeah, he's a decent shout as well to be bringing in for Everton. He's only 1.8% ownership at the moment at 5.5 million. Great shout there. But... Or for an extra 0.6 million, you could get Damari Gray. Sorry, for an extra 0.1 million, you could get Damari Gray. Not worth it. The core is outscoring him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Townsend's outscoring him as well. Townsend's actually cheaper than Decore, so. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but yeah, a bit of fun there. Not for me and Charlie as much, but yeah, that's us in the mud already, ready for next week when Saga is big. Well, I, yeah. I would just like to make the case that Damari Gray's conversion rate current is probably on the on levels with Messi, so yeah, I think we can expect a little bit of a regression at some stage. <laughs> Where you got like Dalmatiora that is struggling to get international league finishing. <laughs> yeah, well. I'd rather a player that takes lots of shots than than one that takes one or two. But yeah, I mean, fair enough. He is scoring, Demari Gray, but stuff. Yeah, but he could like Adama could end up being the bright of the last season and just not putting the chances away. You never know. We'll see. That that took us a bit off board, especially two goals in two minutes. Literally, there that was ridiculous. You've thrown me off tangent now. Um, but that was even partner question to Charlie. So he's talking about Ronaldo and Lukaku. Is there any other player looking at the fixtures and how they're playing at the minute that you're a bit scared of Charlie going into this week not owning? Um not really to be honest. I, I think I've kind of got a good selection across most of the games. I think like we said earlier that there's not there's a lot of sort of middle table teams playing each other and mm. and not ones that you would particularly want to target. So I, I think that Liverpool game is the main one. I can see a, a big win for Liverpool there. Um, and Man City again, but not many people... Or Man City's players aren't really too highly owned because of their fixed run at the beginning of the season and obviously all the rotation. So, yeah, there's there's not really anyone, anyone that I am particularly, you know, thinking I need to get them in or or whatever, I, I think. Um, yeah, as long as you've got your kind of key Liverpool assets and, and a sprinkling of the others, you're you're pretty set. Yeah. What about you, Sam? Is there any play you're kind of scared of not owning that? Well, you can mention the Kaka and Ronaldo. Are you scared of them as well? I'm not really. I'm not really scared of not owning Lukaku and Ronaldo. I've just got faith that the guys I have in the team are gonna. You know, as we talked about last week, the scoring metric in fantasy Premier League needs to be recognised when you're picking players for your team. Um, and obviously, if one player scores more than another, then then that's fine. But a player like someone like Bamford could score as many points as Ronaldo if they both score one one goal in a game. Um, so, you know, am I scared of not owning anyone at the minute? No. If I didn't have Trent or Salah, I would be scared of not owning them. I think yeah. those two really are at the moment the two that you need to have in your team. Um, and yeah, Lukaku and, uh, and Ronaldo will obviously continue to provide points for owners over the course of uh, the course of the next few weeks, and I will move on to one of them pretty soon, I think. Um, but yeah, for now, not really scared of not owning anyone. Um, just touching on as well, if you get the chance to watch Andros Townsend's second goal, unbelievable! What a goal! I think I saw Ten a quote goal of the season already. I think I saw a quote before the game saying Townsend dreams of scoring a screamer in an Everton shirt. So yeah. there we go. Well, <laughs> Dream realised. Absolute <laughs> wonder goal. Yeah, he loves a bang, doesn't he? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Keep getting distracted from uh, from <laughs> questions. Um, no, basically, in my exact position, there is no one that I'm really uh, fearful of at the moment. Yeah, I think that was that one fixture that I'm just lacking. I've kind of touched on it before about that Leeds fixture. I quite like to have a Leeds asset in that game. Newcastle defence has been terrible. We mentioned about the goalkeeper as well, so I'd like to get a Leeds asset on in whether it that be, it's probably going to be in the striker position with Bamford rather than Rafinha, as I'd first hoped, but we'll see. And, and someone someone who plays Man City soon is about to get thumping. 
Man City haven't given anyone a real five, six, seven, one job for a long time. Um, so someone's going to score four goals for Man City in a game soon. Heard it here soon. Heard it here first, even. Um, just... I mean, they did beat us five nil, so I think well, we, we yeah, probably but, that. Yeah, two five nil. Yeah, yeah, they beat uh, Norwich as well. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, but you mean like well, <laughs> do you mean by someone? Player? Someone for Man City is going to get an absolute haul of points soon in a game. Yeah, that's probably like the Ferran Torres from the yeah, someone like Torres yeah. or Mares or. But, but the thing is, if you if, if you you've got a magical crystal ball where you can predict which player that's going to be, then please hand it out to the whole community because no one has a clue what it's going to be. Especially, I'm going to call it here. Gabby Jesus is going to get. <laughs> Three goals and assist for Man City in the next three game weeks. Okay. <laughs> not not consecutively. <laughs> Sorry, just yeah, to clarify. <laughs> At some point in the next... Uh, actually, it's a bad bad shout because they've got a couple of tough games next, but who knows? Maybe it's this week. It but Jesus week, is yeah. the man. Yeah, I'm even more scared that the fact that KDB and Foden are coming back as well to fitness. So mm. Yeah. Puts me off a beat even more if possible. You never know, it could be Cancelo. Could be. Could be Cancelo. Yeah, we can always dream. You keep throwing me off with the game now. I had another question on the back of that. What was the question? Oh, yeah. So I think we're kind of touching it every time. Is there any under 10% owned players outside of the core eh, that we would recommend going forward with the fixtures? Back to you, Sam. Uh, for this week specifically, uh... I don't think many people have got the budget or the facility to fit him in, but Sadio Mane at 2.7% ownership, um, having had 10 shots in the last game, Liverpool at home, uh, the distribution of attacking returns being quite so high at Anfield. Um, I think Mane is actually a really good differential shout for this week if, if someone has got the spare 11.9 million lying around. Um, yeah, as you do. Um, Cancelo at 7.9% continues to just be on this list every week and just grows a little bit in ownership each week. Still really. And uh, the other one uh, is actually uh, the new boy for Arsenal, uh, Tommy Yasu. I think I don't know if I said his name right there, but um, he's currently at 0.5% ownership. So if Arsenal do go on a run and he's a slightly more offensive minded fullback from what I hear, then he might be a, a useful option as well. Fair chance, to be fair. Have you got any other ones outside of that, Charlie? Uh, yeah, I think so. I've covered them really. Cancelo was going to be my main one. He's my boy. I keep. Um, I think I've listed him every time we've talked about this <laughs> under ten percent. Um, just because, yeah, the number of routes to points that he has and and how involved in everything he is. So good, um, sort of target for bonus points as well. Um, yeah. Other other than that, just kind of the ones we talked about really. Some of the the cheaper Everton assets. Um, who seemingly off the evidence of tonight, and we've probably got to take take it with a, um, you know, got to appreciate the fact that it's Burnley who have got a particularly bad defensive record at the moment. But in the absence of Calvert Lewin, seem to seem to be stepping up. So um, yeah, maybe that's actually a good sign for them, and and some of those cheaper assets at Everton can can do well um, in Calvert Lewin's absence. Yeah, should have gone with him at the start, shouldn't I? I, I need to take your advice more. I'm a bit concerned that I've got three picks and neither of you chose them, which just shows that my thinking, especially for wildcard, is totally out of the window. Um, so you're probably going to disagree with all of them. So I've got first up Timo Puki for Norwich. Well, you're going to say Werner then. I'm going to have a field day. <laughs> 
So I'm primarily looking at Norwich's fixture run. If they're going to get any points this season, it's going to be in this run between game week five and game week 14. Play Watford at home, Brighton, Burnley. They've got Everton away, which is slightly more difficult. But then when you get to 11 and 14, they've got Brentford, Southampton, Wolves and Newcastle as well. So there's a pretty good stretch if you need a cheap forward that you might not play every single game. He's a decent shout. He's at 5.3% ownership. Probably not going to get a better run with him the whole season. So decent from my point of view. Another one I think to look out for, I wouldn't say recommended for this week, but in a few weeks' time, Gallagher for Crystal Palace. He's looked the most attacking asset in that midfield. And I think as we saw in Palace in the last game, even the game before for him, he scored twice. And he's only five, I think he's gone to 5.6 now which is a great enabler for some other assets, kind of similar to some of those Everton ones that we touched on. And then who was my third one? I've literally just written it down. I've completely forgotten what my third one was. Uh, oh, there it is. And I was just... Because I was looking at Leeds and I was like, what if I don't want to go to Rafinha or Bamford? There's a slight issue with the rotation, but I would be tempted to go with Harrison as well. There's a slight issue with Dan James being in the team. But it tends to, so far, he's brought Dan James on for the final like 20 or so minutes, so Harrison's still getting the game time. He's gone under the radar because he's not returned so far this season at 2.5% ownership. So they're all quite low, and neither of you have mentioned them, so a bit different point of view there, at least. But yeah, I think that covers most of what we wanted to cover. Is there anything either of you guys wanted to mention outside of what we discussed? No, we're good. Yeah, nope, good. All good here. Yeah, and then so if I come back next week and I've wildcarded, then you were pre-warned, but we'll see how that one goes. Yeah, thank you both again, and good luck, everyone, in the next week. Hopefully you don't get as many injuries as my team, and good luck with the game week, and we'll see you on the next one. Have a good evening.